let's look in Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 13. While you're opening up there, for the ladies' luncheon we're doing, uh, there is a children's menu for children under 12 years old, I think it's around $6, $6 or $7, and uh, you don't have to choose anything, you can, your uh, children, your daughters that come along with you. Um, if you can order it when you get it, Charlie Brown. So, uh, but we need to know an account. Make sure you put down uh, if you have children under 12 coming. That's going to be on the children's menu. If they're going to eat the menu that you have on there, then you have, they have to pay the $23. But if you get the children's menu, you got it figured out. Amen. So anyway, I've had more questions about what to put down on there. Just check off what you want to eat, amen, and give me $23. We'll be all right. <laughs> but it's going to be a, a great time together. Make sure you get signed up, ladies, and uh, for May 11th. Philippians chapter 4, uh, in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. For even in Thessalonica he sent once and again unto my uh, necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and uh, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute thou, I'm sorry, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us <clears throat> to be together tonight. And uh, may we be able to grab some practical truths out of this passage that will encourage us with the reality of the divine provision in our life. We're thankful that we serve the eternal God. Uh, he was the creator of all things, and Lord, you're very interested in every one of our lives. And uh, God, you sent your son into this world to die for each of us individually. And uh, because of his death, we can know that we're saved and going to heaven. And we thank you for that. And we praise you, Lord, that that wasn't the end, but you continue to work in our life each and moment of every day. And so, Lord, I pray you'd bless the preaching of the word of God if someone's here is not saved, may they receive Christ as their Savior tonight and be able to leave here knowing they're going to heaven. And may each believer be able to go leave here tonight uh, rejoicing in the fact that we have a God who cares for us uh, every moment of every day. Bless the preaching of the Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I remember years ago when I was in Bible college, Dr. Malone used to tell us preacher boys, he said, men, when you get in the pulpit, preach on the great text in the scripture. And there's many great texts in the scripture. John 3.16, I've preached many times out of John 3.16. 
Now, what a great text. We'd be able to understand the, the love of God for us and that he sent his son in this world that we can be saved and know that we're saved and not have to fear the matter of perishing. What great text that God has given us. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's many great passages in the scriptures that we hear, that we memorize, uh, that we uh, be able to listen to preaching on them. And tonight I just want to take this great text out of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't think there's anything that's greater and more soothing than to be aware of the fact that God can, in a divine way, provide for our every need that we have. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter of Philippians. Uh, he has some great words of encouragement, even though it's only a small epistle. There's only four chapters in it. Uh, yet, uh, well, Paul is power-packing this little letter with all kinds of words that challenge and encourage and stir the believer. He is literally writing this letter from the prison cell. And uh, I was listening to uh, Christian radio this afternoon on my way home from church, and uh, they were, what the fellow was on there was testifying of the fact of someone that he interviewed. Uh, that I don't even know who he was. I don't know what country he was in, but he was in prison for 17 years because of his faith. And he said this, when he interviewed the guy, the guy said this, he said, oh, uh, one of the things that they constantly beat on me about was that you're going to die in this prison and your testimony for God is not going to be heard by anybody. And uh, uh, he's literally, his body is frail because he's battered and bruised and beaten and tortured for 17 years in prison and he's out of prison. Amen. They told him he would never get out of prison. He is out of prison. And his testimony of the grace of God working in his life, providing for him and caring for him, is literally being spoken all around the world. Uh, the world tries to intimidate people and try to uh, back the Christian into a corner and tries to stop the witness of the Christian. But listen, if God be for us, who can stand against us? And Paul here is giving some great words of encouragement to the believers at Philippi as he's in prison and literally he's coming to the end of his life and Paul is pinning these great words. It has been said about the book of Philippians that it, it, you can see in it splendor in the midst of sorrow. I read that, I was like, wow, what a great description for the book of Philippians. It is a, Paul is going through times of great suffering and great sorrow, but boy, does he paint for us a splendor of who God is and what God can do on our behalf. So it also has been said in the book of Philippians, that is the joy in the midst of a jail. And, uh, you know, you don't have to be out of jail to rejoice in the Lord. You don't have to have be absent from problems and be able to rejoice in the Lord. No matter where we are or what we're suffering or whatever we're going through, there is the splendor of the precious reality of the Son of God working in our lives that he gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's not only been called the joy in the midst of a jail, but it's been identified as power in the midst of perishing. 
I said, glory to God, that'll preach, amen. And power in the midst of perishing. Paul is coming close to the end of his life and he might think, you might think my life is ending and I'm perishing, but there's still power of God to work in your life and through you in a great way to testify of the goodness of our God. And so here is Paul in this prison cell and he's encouraging the Philippian believers, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Man, I'll tell you one thing. There's been many a time I've had to grab this verse. Been many a time I didn't know how things were going to be taken care of or how God was going to provide for me. But I tell you, I can testify of this, that every moment that I had to grab a hold of this verse, there was divine provision in my life. And God has taken care of me. I could take testimonies here tonight of how God miraculously has provided for you. And we could spend the rest of the service testifying of God's divine provision in our life. And so Paul gives us this great text. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in, uh, uh, in glory by Christ Jesus. So first of all, let's consider the source of divine provision. The source of provine provision is God. It is not you. It is not your job. It certainly is not the government. Amen. I remember President Reagan said the most terrifying words is when someone comes to and tells you, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> As a Christian, we live in light of the reality that God is our source of income. God is our source and our ability to be able to have our needs met uh, all the time. I remember I was in Bible college. They were going to write me up for not working on Sundays. And I would never forget, I'll never forget the dispatcher. She told me she did this. She said, Michael, you need to realize that this is your source of livelihood. That's what she said to me. And I told her, I said, I don't want to be disrespectful to you, but the source of my livelihood's God. It's not this job. I said, I was looking for a job when I came here, and I can look for a job when I leave. Amen. God will take care of me. He just happens to be using this job right now. So the source of our income, the source of our provision is God. He says, but my God shall supply all your need. And so realize this, the creator is bigger than your problem. You say, wait a minute, I got a big problem. I got a big bill. I got a big situation I got to take care of. Well, wait a minute. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems to be pretty big to me. Now, if God can create everything that is around us, then he certainly is bigger than whatever problem I may have. And I, I remember we went to Bible college. My wife got a job. I know uh, quicker than I did. She got a job, I think, the first week we were there, wasn't it? Man, I tell you, she's a smart lady. She got that, and, and I'm sitting there. I couldn't get a job anywhere. People were laughing at me when I went to fill a job application. She went and just got a job. And, uh, boy, did they abuse her when they found out that she was a Christian. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I, we never experienced something like that. And I'm going to tell you, they, they, they worked her over every day when she went to work. I told her, I said, you quit your job. I said, you put it in your notice. She said, well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to live? You know, I, we need this job. I said, no, we don't. I'm supposed to supply for this family. I'll take care of you. And if, if, if I can't take care of you, God will. I said, you quit that job. 
And she went in and put her notice in. She came home, and a friend of mine, I went to school the next day, and a friend of mine came up and told me, he said, hey, Mike, is your wife looking for a job? We never said anything to anybody. And I said, well, yeah, matter of fact, it is. she is. I just told her to put her notice in and quit her job. He said, my girlfriend works for a Christian doctor, and she needs someone to be a receptionist. I'm telling you, folks, God can take care of you. God is bigger than the problem that you're facing. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how overwhelming it may be. If God can create the world in which we live, then bless God, he can take care of my little problems down here on this earth. So the source is God. So the creator is bigger than your problem. Number two, I had to use a C, so here it is. The carver... The carver is smarter than your perception. In Jeremiah chapter 18, Jeremiah chapter 18, we know Jeremiah is giving the parable of the potter. And this is a great lesson for us to learn. Israel needed to learn it. And I just want you to know this, that God as the molder of our life is smarter about what we are to be or what he wants us to be than what you think you ought to be. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 1, it says, In the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. See, the one who has the idea of what the outcome should be is the potter, not the clay on the wheel. And then in verse 5, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. In other words, the carver, the molder, if you will, the maker of your life is smarter than what you think your life ought to be. I remember when I got saved, I felt God called me to preach. I had it all planned out. I figured it all out. I said, oh, God's going to call me to preach. He called me to preach. He's going to use me in a great way. I'm going to go out and plant a church. which is going to be running 1,500 within three years. And uh, we're going to have a big, massive Christian school. And we're going to do all these things. I mean, in my mind, I had it all figured out. And that is not how God did it. You ended up being stuck with me. Amen. <laughs> the carver is smarter than your perception. We think we can figure out what our life is. But God sees a bigger plan. God has a wider view, and God has a deeper understanding of who you are in light of what he's made you to be. And so we live, in, uh, depending on God as our source of not just providing for our needs and overcoming our problems, but allowing God to mold us into what he wants us to be. Whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate that they be conformed to the image of his son. And God has a plan and God has a purpose in your life. And we live in reference to the source of all we are and all we have and all we're going to experience is based on the reality that it is God that supplies our needs. And uh, well, I'll tell you what, it takes the pressure off. 
I give my cars to the Lord. I give my house to the Lord. When the car breaks down, I'll say, Lord, your car is broke down. You need to fix it here. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's been situations in my life where we didn't have any money and God has given us a car and God's kept that old thing on the road. I think that old van we used to have. I, I, I'll tell you, I miss that old van. And I'll tell you, the, the gear shift you had to have, we had a rope tied in the car. When you put it in drive, the gear shift was broke, so you had to tie it in the drive. Otherwise, it would bounce out a, a drive. My wife was driving it one night, and the muffler fell off. And then, the, then she went to stop to put it in the back of the car and back of the van. She opened the door, and the door fell off. I mean, I'm telling I'm not telling stories. I'm telling you the truth, man. And I'll tell you, you look at it, and you say, God, what are you doing with me? God, I surrendered. You called me to prepare for ministry. Why is the car rusted out? Why is it falling apart? Why is it not running? I mean, I, we had that thing. We started the church with that. We were picking people up uh, for church uh, with that old ragged van. I'm telling you, finally, I got to the point. I said, we got to get rid of this thing. It was so rusted out. It was so falling apart. You could see the road when you were driving, amen? I mean, that was a good vehicle. That thing lasted us a long time. And I put that thing up for sale, and I was going to sell it for, I think it was $100 or $150. I can't remember. I think it was $150. And the guy came, and he looked at the thing, and he had a painting business. He said, well, would you take you $125? And I told him, I said, look, let's just make a good deal here. I'll sell it to you for $100. And he looked at me. He said, what? I said, man, I can't rip you off. This thing is shot. He said, oh, this is a good van. And I said, I know. It's taking me all over the place from Michigan to New Jersey and back again and starting a church. It's a wonderful van. This is a God-blessed van. Amen. I said, just give me a hundred bucks and we'll call it even. And I gave him the van, you know. I, you say, what does that have to do with that? It wasn't my idea to get a van like that and ride around. I had a better idea than that. I thought God should give me a nice Cadillac to ride in. But he gave me a nice Dodge van uh, that just kept on running and kept on ticking, man. I'll tell you what. Listen, your perception of what your life, what you think it should be, is different than the reality of what the potter wants to do with your life. And so if we live in the realm of the fact that the source of everything I need is God supplying that need, I have no problem with God changing things in my life. You know, I thought about my mom. She went to home to be with the Lord a week or so ago, and I just thought about my mom. <laughs> she hated change. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't know. I was probably 50 years old, and mom was upset about something. We said, you know, what's the matter, mom? She said, I just wish my life was all my kids on the farm with my husband, and that's it. I'm like, mom, that, that, that boat has sailed. That ain't going to happen. We're not coming back on the farm. She didn't like change. I wonder what happened when she changed from the physical into the glory. Amen. <laughs> I thought about that. I was preaching my mom's funeral. I said, I don't know if I ought to go there or not. But she didn't like change. But I'll guarantee you she enjoyed that change. And uh, listen, we don't like change in our life. But God knows what to change. And God knows what to do. Stop fighting with the Lord. And start resting in the reality that he knows better than what you know. And so my source is God. 
So the creator is bigger than your problem. The carver is smarter than your perception. Then the caretaker is stronger than your complaint. Casting all your cares on him, for he careth for you. Uh, you, know, you know, it would be well if we just rejoice in the reality that divine provision comes from God himself, and so I don't need to complain about life all the time. Uh, you know, I was working, uh, driving tractor and trailer, and I mean, all, all the drivers did was complain all the time about the company. Uh, they complained that they couldn't make any money. I told one of the fellows there, he was a senior guy working out of Salem, and I, I told him, I said, you can't make any money because all you do is sit at home. They got mad because I was making more money at the bottom of the seniority list than what they were making on the top of the seniority list. I told him, I said, yeah, you go home every night. I said, but I don't get home for three or four days. I'm out here beating the road. I'm out here making money. Stop complaining about the company and go get some work done and stop griping and complaining. Oftentimes, that's all we want to do. We want to gripe and complain to God about everything. Wait a minute. God can take care of you. Stop complaining about God's provision in your life and start rejoicing that you can cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. The source of our supply is God himself, and he's interested in who we are. Uh, you know, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I'm thankful that because God is the source of my supply, then there is someone that I can always go to in casting my cares and my problems upon him because he cares for me. So we see divine provision, the source is God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I see number two, not just the source, I see the supply. He said he shall supply your need. You know, I'm glad that he will supply your need, but I must say I am more excited that he supplies my need, amen? And uh, he'll supply your need. And Paul is encouraging the Philippians that they needed not to worry about how they were going to survive or how they were going to go on, even though that he was in prison, that God was still on the throne of heaven and he could still meet their needs in a daily way. So it comes daily through prayer. You know, Jesus gave the great model prayer. We often call it the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus said in that prayer, we are to pray daily Give us this day our daily bread. And so we need to pray and ask God to take care of us each and every moment of every day. Uh, we, we know this, that God is paying attention to who we are and what our needs are. Then he is ready to respond to us if we'll mention to him what our need is. He'll supply your daily needs. And uh, all the way back in the book of Exodus, God showed that to the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 16, in uh, verse 15, how he could supply for their needs. Uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 15 says, When the children of Israel saw it, they said one towards another, It's manna, for they wished not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. So it comes on a daily basis through prayer, but it comes sufficiently by his hand. 
It is God that supplies your need. I remember uh, Dr. Malone used to say, if God has to make a turkey fly in and land on your table to feed you, he could do it. And I thought, all these turkeys we have out here, maybe we ought to open the door once in a while. <laughs> let them fly in. And maybe God's wanting to use them, but we're not opening the door to let them come in. Amen. <laughs> I thought, yeah, God can make a turkey fly in and land on your table to feed you, but you got to open the window, amen? <laughs> and so he, the supply is your need. Your need is different than my need. And every one of us, where we, wherever we are in our life, whether we're young, we're single, uh, we're married, or we have children, or we're retired, or we're, every one of us have needs that are important to each of us, but every one of us has needs that are absolutely different than someone else. And so when you talk about supplying, God is your source, your supply is what is your need that you have. And God has promised uh, that he would provide for that need. He showed us that with the children of Israel as he would rain down manna from heaven and he would feed them each and every moment, every day. You stop and think of it. There was, they say, in excess of one and a half million people that came out of Egypt, and God fed them manna from heaven each and every day. If God can do that, then God can take care of you. And I've shared testimony over and over again, but I've never got over God putting groceries on our doorstep. I'm amazed how God fed us when we had no food. I'm amazed how God would take care of us. The supply of what our need is, was at that very moment in our lives, God has always come through. And I can testify the fact tonight that there is no supply that is greater than what God can supply in your life. And so it comes sufficiently by his hand. It comes proportionately to your giving. And Luke 6, 38 says, Given it shall be given unto you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto thy bosoms. Uh, you can't live a stingy life with God and be able to enjoy the blessings of God from heaven. His supply comes on the basis that the Philippians had given to the Apostle Paul's needs over and over again. And Paul said because of that, that God would continue to supply their need. And so we see the source is God. The supply is your need. The surplus, I'm glad there's a surplus, uh, is his riches in glory. And he says, oh, my God shall supply your need according to his riches in glory. His ability to supply your need is not based upon your riches on this earth. His ability to supply your need is not based on the reality of whether the stock market is up or the stock market is down. It is based upon the surplus of the riches that are in glory. My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I'm, I'm excited about the fact that if he does that, then there is absolutely nothing that he cannot supply in my life. The riches in glory. According to Revelation 21 and verse 3, uh, tells us this, you ought to consider the rejoicing in heaven. If God can supply joy in heaven and abundance in heaven, then he certainly can take care of you down here on this earth. Notice in Revelation 21 and verse 3, says that I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, 
and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and they shall be no more death, nor neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It's done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I'm saying the surplus of God's provision in your life is based on the riches in glory. There is an abundance in heaven and the people in heaven are rejoicing in the abundance of God's grace and provision of all that they enjoy in heaven. And so I believe that God can meet my needs no matter what they are because when we run out of resources here, the windows of heaven are open and the blessings are flowing tonight. Amen. Glory to God. I'm just going to break out in song. Well, consider <laughs> rejoicing in heaven. Woo, man, if you can't get happy about this, I don't know. Consider the building material of heaven. Revelation 21, verse 18. In the building of the wall, it was jasper. And the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. Boy, there's no building like that on, heaven, on earth here. And the foundations of the wall and the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. You realize this, that the building materials of heaven are the precious stones of value that people hoard down here to, be, to build up wealth and riches, and God uses it as building material. You think God can't take care of your needs down here? You think that God can't supply for you? He supplies for us based on his riches in glory. But consider the healing benefits of heaven. Revelation chapter 22 in verse 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was, were, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations." We look at our country and we oftentimes people say, boy, our country is hurting. It's so divided. It's so, people are getting so out of control and this, that, and the other. Yes, our country and other nations around the world need the healing of God. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, God can bring healing in our life personally. God can provide for our lives personally because of the fact there we see the healing benefits in heaven is surplus. What God gives to us is just little dribbles of a surplus to be able to take care of our every need down here in heaven and I mean on, on earth. So divine provision. The source is God. The supply is your need. The surplus is riches and glory. And then in our text, we see the supplier is Jesus Christ. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Why is that so? Because Jesus Christ, he is before all and after all. In Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. There is nothing that begins without Jesus Christ, and there's nothing that's going to end without Jesus Christ. 
You know, this world, everybody's worried about global warming and everything else. Uh, this world is not passing away until the Lord Jesus Christ returns and establishes his kingdom on this earth. And uh, he is the beginning and he is the end. Nothing's coming to an end till Jesus brings it to an end. And so we have a supplier who is Jesus Christ. He is not only before all and after all, he is the creator of all. Colossians 1.16 tells us that he was the one who created everything. There was nothing made that was not created by him, according to John chapter 1 and verse 3. So he is the creator of all. If he created everything, then hallelujah, he can supply for my little wants and needs that I have down here on this earth. He is the sustainer of, the, of all. In other words, everything continues to exist because of the fact it is Jesus Christ who holds everything together. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And so if all things are continuing on because of Jesus Christ, then he can supply my needs. He's the supplier, Jesus Christ. He's a sustainer of all. He's a distributor of all. I'm glad there's someone that's giving out what needs to be given out. And I'm thankful it's Jesus that's doing it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for his all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I'm thankful that the Lord distributes to us and gives to us what we need to be able to get through life uh, each and every day. I don't know what it is you're facing, what it is that you have to overcome. I don't know what your need is tonight, but I know one thing. There's a Savior in heaven who can give you what you need if you have faith to believe, to trust him, uh, to connect with the reality that the eternal Son of God is a supplier of all of your needs. Well, I see not only that, but he is the Lord of all. In Acts chapter 10, um, we know that uh, Peter is at the house of Cornelius. And Peter says this in verse 34 of Acts 10, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him. So it doesn't matter where you are, where you're from, where you're at at this very moment. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel Preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And uh, the, we can have our needs met. We can experience divine provision in our life because the supplier of those needs is Jesus Christ. When the blind man needed to see, he gave him sight. When the paralyzed man needed to walk, he gave him strength in his legs. Uh, when the adulterer was, con was condemned and uh, 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 was uh, accused of her actions, Jesus Christ gave her forgiveness and cleansing. I'm just saying this, that Jesus Christ, as the Lord of all, is the supplier of everything that we need in our life. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So the simple question is this, who is your source? Who's your source? Who are you depending on? Uh, you depending on your boss, depending, depending on Wall Street. You're depending on your strength because you're a young man and you're strong. I want to encourage you. Someday you're going to be old and you're going to be weak. Amen. <laughs> 
You say, well, I, 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 have, I have a source. I have a so-and-so that's taking care of me. Uh, someday they ain't, they're not going to be there to take care of you. Our source has to be God. Amen. Number two, what is your need? You need to identify your need. What is your need? You know, my needs have changed over the years. Depending on how old I am, where, my, where I lived at, what ministry I was involved in, whatever's been, what's going on, my, you know, your needs are always changing. So what is the need that you have tonight? Because your source is the means of meeting that need. And Paul said our source is God and our supply is the need that we have. But where is your surplus? You say, well, wait a minute, I've got to check, where's my checkbook? You know, where's my savings account? I've got to see what my surplus is. I found this, you just try to track your finances to be able to uh, justify who you are and what you're doing in ministry. It'll never work out. You just have, you have to trust in the living God to give you the surplus that you need to get through and to meet the needs in your life. And then you have to answer the question, who is your supplier? I'm, and this is my supplier is Jesus Christ. That's who I go to with my needs. I go to him because he has resources that are abundantly beyond what my resources are or what resources someone else has to say, offer. I remember I went down to Dividing Creek. That building, that Dividing Creek, uh, that was in Dividing Creek, the building was our third church building. Uh, one building burned down. This the other building got moved to the location where it is. And uh, that building was built in 1903. And my wife and I went there in uh, 1989. And that building was built in 1903. I went down in the basement and the furnace of that church had asbestos on it. It was literally an old coal burning furnace that was converted to burning oil. And the asbestos was falling off the side of the furnace to where you could literally see through the wall of the furnace to the flames that were heating the water to heat the building. And I told him, we went down there in September of 89. And I went down there and I saw the condition. And th at that time, when we went there, the church was only running about 30 people. Uh, and uh, very minimal, the amount of money that was coming in. I went, to that, I went to the deacons and I went to the trustees in the church and I told them, I said, your building's going to burn down. You're going to have to build another building if you don't replace that heater. And they said this to me, we don't have the money. We never have had the money. And we know we need to replace that. And I told them, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, fellas. You might as well know where I'm at and what I'm dealing with. I said, I'm telling you right now, we are going to step out by faith right now. And we're going to contract uh, oil company to come in here and put a new furnace and new registers in, put a whole new heating system in this place by September of the next year. I said, we're going to get through the winter here, and this is, this is the time frame. And we, we, we did. We signed a contract with no money. I mean, no money. When I say no money, I mean no money. Amen. They literally told me, this is your salary. If you come here, we will let you know this. We don't have that money coming in the offering to pay you your salary. That's the condition of the church. I said, oh, we're I told him, I said, we're going to live by faith. We're stepping out by faith. We're signing a contract right now to replace this because we're not going to have our children being hurt uh, because of this dangerous situation with this furnace. You know what happened when it came time for that contract to be fulfilled? We had every penny that was necessary Amen. to pay for that. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something. That was a miraculous thing. That was a mir miraculous thing. When I went down there, I think their missions giving, Faith Promise missions giving, was about $800 a year is what they gave to missions. When I left here, there to come here, their Faith Promise missions in that little church in the middle of nowhere was $18,000 a year. You say, where did it come from? I don't know. But that's how God supplies for your need. And I'm going to tell you, I could testify over and over again, I'd rather walk with God with nothing than be able to have everything that this world has to offer and think I have security. I'm thankful that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And it is not about what I can do, go get another job or try to work this or try to save here or try to do that. It's about me managing and caring for good stewardship of the, what God provides in my life. And when there is no resources, God still has the resources to provide for you. Don't you think for one minute tonight God can't take care of you. He can take care of you. And sometimes what we do is we try to live in the realm of what we can see and manipulate and manage. And we need to enter into the realm the Apostle Paul said, Hey, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What's your need tonight? What do you need God to do miraculously? It might be something spiritual. It's not, we're not just talking about financial things. What do you need God to do in molding your character? What do you need God to do in helping you develop relationships? God can supply every need that we have if we just believe in the divine provision of God. Let's bow for prayer. God, we're so thankful that we really don't have to fear tomorrow because you're the one that holds tomorrow. We don't really need to fear how we're going to be able to make it day by day because you've already ordered our life. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and God, you'll intervene on our behalf. And so, Lord, help us to rejoice in the supply of our God and meeting our needs through Christ Jesus. Lord, the greatest need that man has is to be saved. The greatest supply that was offered through Christ was his own self as a sacrifice on Calvary so that we might have our need for forgiveness met through the redemption offered in the sacrifice of Christ. I pray if anyone's here not saved that tonight they would get saved, Lord. And Lord, they might be able to plug into the economy of God. Help each of us, Lord, to rejoice in that you're that interested in us to be able to meet every need that we have. Bless us, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's